welcome back to the eight news show everybody thank you so much for being with me today uh in this episode i'm joined by a lady who's been a friend of mine for several years now maybe three years we're getting yeah. close to three years aren't we absolutely rosie cornell is one of the few lawyers in perth western australia who stood up against the government overreach that we experienced during the pandemic of COVID 19 um and so with that Rosie, I've just cut to the wrong camera, but now you're on screen. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. And you're, you're forgiven for everything. And I shall apologise in advance for going off the re- reservation because no doubt I will. We tend to do that when we talk. Um, <laughs> we've um, we, we've found um, soul soulmates in a way. We, we are. Um, we've we've we connected really early in this thing and. Um, Gosh, I hope we don't go. I hope I don't go off the reservation with you, which is probably <laughs> bound to happen. But anyway, I'll forgive you for reining me in. Okay, well, we're going <laughs> to try. We and, we're going to try and keep this sensible because I think we've got some really interesting things to talk about. I'm sure everyone's going to be um, uh, enlightened at the end of this because we are going to talk about the legal aspects of the of the time yeah. that we went through and the times that we're now facing. And I think I'd like to set the scene by talking about um, what what we now know as reality about the pandemic era, the COVID-19 era. Um, let me start off by saying that under the Nuremberg Charter, the human family agreed that we would no longer impose unwanted medical inv- uh, interventions without informed consent, um, something that I'm very passionate about. I... Um, this informed consent thing is uh, very, very, very um, important to understand. So w- in what felt like just months, we we saw this um, introduction of, oh, there's this, this disease coming and we saw people dying on the streets in China. And then just suddenly this role play began, this government role play. And I say role play because all of this was done under the under the like like the in color of law, like not real law, but fake law that they expressed as being real. Um, and we saw through that we saw police brutality on a scale that had never been seen before in this country. We saw um, this all happen under the control of a belligerent and deceitful government that we're, we're getting up on, fr- on on TV and telling us all about the data and the experts that but they never cited who the experts wa- were and never showed us the data. And now we know for a fact that that was all a lie. It's quite disturbing to me that they've all gone very, very quiet. The minute that... Bill Gates stood up and said, oh, it was just a cold and it wasn't really as bad as we thought it would be. Everybody ran for cover and just they haven't addressed the issues. They haven't addressed this, you know. We locked people up and treated people like criminals. The starting point that really disturbed me about all of this, the starting point was for the government to decree, to declare 
mm. that everybody must comply because yeah. we've got we've got to stop this disease. So everybody must comply. We'll lock you up for two weeks. You can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll be fine. But that two weeks being locked up wasn't the same for everybody. Not everybody had had this ability to stay in their home without harm. Yeah. So one of the really big things that struck me right from the beginning was they were locking up children with their abusers. Yes. Violent parents who in ordinary circumstances the children would get a break from. Yeah. They were now locked in that environment. Mm. Women who say that they often say that, oh, you know, you can leave an abusive relationship. For someone to say that without really understanding what's going on, the dynamics of what keeps women and men in violent relationships. I mean, there are men who are abused by women. Yes, that's true. And to to lock up people with their abusers, to me, I, I think that has to be one of the most egregious things the government did. Yeah. And then they locked people out of their own country. Yeah. How do you survive? In, in their own state. Well, how do you survive? If yeah. you've gone away on holidays and you were financially able to support yourself for, say, three months buffer because yeah. you went overseas on a holiday. Now, most people don't do the three months overseas on a holiday. Yeah, they do right. a month. For people who have family overseas, this holiday involves staying with family. Yeah. So they don't have this massive lot of funds to support them. Mm. And suddenly we have people locked out of the country. Mm. They've got to pay a mortgage back home. They've got to pay all of their yep. utilities at home. If they've got a rental, you've got to pay your rent, otherwise you're out. Yep. They could not come home to organise anything. Any of that, yeah, the government. They couldn't go back to their job. Yeah. They, they couldn't support their family. It, to me... We don't, we don't do that. That is not what being not a human. But, well, that's not what being human is about. That's right. I mean, th- this whole thing of oh, it doesn't matter. I cannot ever get rid of this this image yeah. of Mark McGowan saying bad luck. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that people couldn't come back home, and there were parents who lost children. Because oh. of suicide. Yeah. And they weren't allowed to bury their children. They weren't allowed to come back to the state. It's like that, that the little, heartlessness. That little creep has got so much to answer for. Look, and, and, um, yeah, we've got this Basil Zemplis getting out on onto the into the newspaper writing stories about how fantastic he is. Look and was. I, I really can't be drawn into discussions about yeah yeah i get it in individuals who are in power because my understanding of some of the things that are going on it's i i really don't think that we understand politics as well as we should yes i think Agreed. i think the 
biggest problem we've got is that Australians are not just politically naive, they're politically agnostic. They just, they don't want to know about it. Mm. And this is how we got into this position. We, we don't look at, well, what, what are the laws that govern how the government governs? I mean, how many people would think to look at the Western Australian Criminal Code yeah. and look at all of the laws that relate to politicians? There's whole sections that are about interfering with government processes. You know, lying to the parliament, that's in the criminal code. How many of these politicians stood up and lied to the parliament about this? Did the chief health officer lie to the parliament about this? I guarantee. When they brought in the mandates, did they lie? And a lie by omission is a lie. Rosie, I'm glad you brought that up. Because you've got a piece of paper on the seat right next to you. I do. This to me is an absolute revelation. And um, talking about going off the reservation, um, from my own personal interest, this is very significant. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are going to feel this way. Tell us all about this chart that you've got here in front of us. And you're going to hold that up to the camera in a moment. Yeah. But just let's talk about it first before you do that. What is this new piece of data that you have? So in March this year, the WA Health Department released the adverse vaccine events for Western Australia. So you know how Australia's got the DAEN, where it's all of the data of adverse events, notifications Mm -hmm. about any medication given to the TGI. Mm -hmm. That's that's Australia-wide, isn't it? Yeah. And each state, apparently, and I didn't know this until I actually saw this document, each state apparently has their own. And Western Australia actually has the Western Australian Vaccine Safety Surveillance System Mm -hmm. so that they can look at vaccine injuries for any vaccine. And what this document has in it is what were the adverse events in Western Australia for the vaccines for 2021. Mm. And the chart that I would like to point out actually shows, I think it starts in 2017 Mm. and goes all the way through to the end of 2021 and remembering that the vaccine mandates were introduced in October of? Of 2021. Mm. And we started having availability for the vaccines in March 2021. Mm-hmm. So they're the two important dates. Yep. March 2021 for the first time that you could actually get the vaccine in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. And it was limited. Remember that people were lining up because, you know, it was limited. Yeah. Because the, the quickest way to get people to want something is to make sure that it's exclusive. Oh, so yeah. everybody wants it. Because Well, some people do. I, ca- I can't wait until I can have it because it's so exclusive. I shall be a better person 
because, you know, once I've entered the circle. Oh, yes, the purple, <laughs> imaginary purple circle of the vaccinated. So, yeah. and then the second critical date is when the government introduced the mandates that meant that 75% of the Western Australian population had to be vaccinated and then they expanded that mm. to the public in early 2022 when they yep. stopped you from being able to go to the pub or buy alcohol mm. because, oh, my God, you know, that's where that's where this thing's spreading. Yeah. So lo what and, I want to show you. Lo and behold, they had the data before they mandated. So can you see that? Yeah. Now, just – You've got that red pen there. Are you able to just okay. draw on your chart? Because so, I'll, would you like me to show you where March is? Yeah, let's let's do that. This is March in twenty twenty one. March twenty twenty one is right. So there. all of the low low levels here. Yeah, just That's, just angle it towards the camera a little bit there. Um, um, see, I've got the shakes again, and I'm cold. Right. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I did ask <laughs> you if you wanted a blankie. Blankets don't stop the shake, trust me. Okay, so what I'll so do is – So can you see it? What I'll do is I'll actually take a screenshot and zoom yeah. that right in for people. But, yeah. But that's the beginning of this so, period we're talking about. Mm. Now, we're not talking one or two. We're talking thousands. The figure is in – the thousands, as you'll be able to tell when, when you I zoom it in. Yeah. And I will now oh, go to October. Yeah. Make it a real big, thick red line there. Oh, come on. Okay. I'm so sorry I didn't have a better And text. this is October. That's October. Now, that's the October prior to that date in November when people had to have their first um, injection. Some well, people different. actually had to have their injection by the October because there was a cohort of workers mm. that were mandated before, before everybody else. Yeah. Because so, in the mining industry, which over here in Western Australia is the primary industry, it was, I believe it was like the 1st of December. First of December for mining, okay. but all of your medical professionals had to be vaccinated by October. Before that. So this is setting the scene for everyone. Now this chart is showing. So everyone's, if you can think of what what dates we're talking about here, this these are the adverse reactions to the Pfizer and Moderna. Well, they were the primary two. Yeah. At that time, um, and COVID nineteen so-called vaccines that were not vaccines, we know that now, there were thousands of adverse... Thousands of adverse reactions in Western Australia. And the worst thing to me is the Chief Health Officer of Western Australia could have accessed and should have accessed these figures right from the outset. Would have accessed... They if they they weren't doing their job if they didn't have that information. Well, I, I assume. Well, you have that, to assume that. Well, I'm. I always go on assumptions first. I'm assuming that he wouldn't have wanted to see it because well, if he sees it, then he he can't say, "Oh no, there's nothing wrong." Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the either way, is, he should have. But the fact is, there were government government officials. 
that would have known this and they've kept silent. It was their job to know. It was their job to know that there were thousands upon thousands of adverse reactions whilst we've got people like Mark McGowan up on the TV saying safe and effective and you're a drop kick, a moron and a loser if you don't take it. And they knew the entire time that it was hurting people and not just a couple. I mean, holy shit, in the history of um, pharmaceuticals in this country, prior to this time, uh, I think the, 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 the adverse reactions were only uh, like for the top medications that had been banned. They might, I think the top one only had about 3,000 complaints against it. Yeah. And then we suddenly have this untested experimental drug rolled out um, under force or under colour of law again on all workers in Western Australia and in, and in Australia, and there were thousands of injuries. Yeah, and they knew it. And, and they knew it. And this report actually talks about in the period prior, the average number of adverse reactions recorded. Mm-hmm was about 243. Yep. And suddenly we're talking 10,000 a month. Unbelievable. How, how do we get to that? And then these figures started being recorded and they didn't record everything. You know, they if they couldn't pinpoint which vaccine batch or if you've had your two vaccines, which vaccine caused the injury? Yeah. It wasn't recorded. If they yep. didn't know, you know, if they couldn't pinpoint it, mm. it wasn't recorded. And they had recorded deaths before the mandates. Mm. Now, to me, I, I would love to have a police officer really look at all of the evidence. I'm still, I'm, I'm back on, on thinking you know, maybe we should do this triple C report yeah, and put in a complaint because until I actually looked at the figures and I'm there, that the chief health officer, we can assume that he knew. Yeah, we have Before to. he allowed, before he gave any recommendations about the vaccines, he must have known. And then you think about, well, the Minister for Health was involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. And the Minister for Health then is the Premier now. Yep. So I'm sorry, but from, from a, you know, a government is supposed to do the best for the people. If they knew that this vaccine was causing serious harm, so we're talking about young people having myocarditis and pericarditis, which doctors have said, you know, everyone says you get over it, but it can kill you within five years. And and the fact is you don't really get over it. I, I don't you think you live. ever recover from it. As far as I understand, you don't. We're not doctors, but as far yeah. as I understand, you don't. And, of course, there are those doctors who who are saying, look, we were telling everybody not to do this. Because the mRNA vaccines, if they don't kill you straight away, they will kill you because every other time they've trialled them, Rosie, they've killed 
every single subject, and that is such a depressing. We now thought. we know we we now know under Freedom of Information that the Pfizer documents were made public, the ones that they wanted to keep secret for seventy five years. Yeah. So that any of the people responsible would have been well and truly dead by that time. Uh, and couldn't be held accountable, but thankfully it's been released. And we know that the the lab rats all died. And, and I mean, gosh, let's not talk, turn it into a discussion about that. No, look, I... But they knew what they were doing. I have, I have dealt with people who are vaccine injured. Mm-hmm. And no matter which way that they try to get justice, mm-hmm. they keep hitting brick walls. And yeah, well, this is. Yeah, I'm probably too invested in the well-being of my clients. I mean, because I was a client before I became a lawyer, my approach to the law is a bit different. And I'm an empathetic person by nature, so Mm -hmm. I tend to get invested in people's well-being generally. Yeah, I mean, if I talk to someone in the checkout queue at Coles. And, you know, they've got a problem. I'll make sure that before I leave them that they're a bit more upbeat. And if I think they've got a real problem, I'll see if I can, you know, somehow keep on top of that. Yeah, yeah, but I but, mean, but you're a caring person. So, you know, but there's only so much you can do. Well, that's right. You can't and, take on everybody, yeah. And the only way to help people is to see, well, how do we get justice? Yeah. And... Every door's been slammed. They changed the laws so that suddenly this isn't an issue. It's a non-issue and the courts just kick it out. No, it is. And it's an issue because the human rights that, you know, they've limited our human rights Mm -hmm. and they've limited them unlawfully. Absolutely. Because, and they did it in a very clever way, And they've done it in such a way that the Australian Human Rights Commission now sends out emails without blushing saying, well, there's nothing that we can do about your complaint because you're complaining about a state and an employer and the Australian Human Rights Commission can only look at complaints in relation to a Commonwealth Government Department. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. How can that be what the law is? We are Australian citizens first and foremost. Yep. You take away our human rights and Australia is in breach of its human rights obligations. They must uphold the laws and they couldn't limit them Mm. because we have all of the human rights because we have ratified Mm. these human rights and they are incorporated into the domestic law because they are scheduled to, to the Australian Human Rights Commission Act. Yeah. And the Australian Human Rights Commission says, ah, nothing to see here. Unreal, isn't it? Sorry. Unreal. And so, Rosie, that's a great um, segue into the next part of this uh, role play kind of concept that I wanted to, to develop in our conversation here. Uh, now we're facing the, the prospect of having our country's medical policy being under the control of the UN by law. Uh, and that's a very, very different situation to the colour of law issue that, that's that's gone before us already. 
now we're going to be faced with uh, a much, much more serious situation where, um, you know, we, uh, we, we had, well, over here it was in Perth, we've got Bullsbrook, which is the, uh, what, what do we call it, the, um, the special centre that they take people to, to um, um, I've, what's the word for it, Rosie? I've, I've lost it. Oh, look, I'll just it's, call it a prison. That's, it's a um, detention centre, but it's a... Uh, it's, a it's the reprogramming centre, It's the reprogramming centre, but it's the... What's the word for it? Everyone's probably sitting there screaming it out right now. Uh, anyway, we have these centres built all over all over Australia now to keep people um, who are so, the, so the called... The quarantine, quarantine centre. I'm so sorry, everybody. I just had that on the tip of my tongue, but that's what I was the word I was looking for. Um, and on top of that, um, we've got so so that's going back to it. That's a real threat. We could we, we could literally be dragged off to the to these quarantine centres. Yeah, now. they're fully but, staffed. But, yep, they're fully staffed. We've and been paying for them to be fully staffed. Taxpayers are paying yep. for them, and now we've got. Um, people in the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, coming out and giving speeches, talking about um, the need to implement this uh, CBDC, Central Bank yeah. Digital Currency, and they want it linked to digital IDs so that they can streamline everything. And it's, oh, it's very much a must. And the reason is is that apparently it's to create a fair economy for everybody. There's no such thing as a fair economy. I mean, who the hell are these people kidding? Do you know where the CBDC started? Please enlighten us. So I think it was about 2008. Mm -hmm. The World Economic Forum did a survey and they did it in some African country of all places Mm. and the survey was about online Abandoned shopping carts. And the reason people gave for abandoning these shopping carts back in 2008 was because it was too hard to pay for them. Okay, so hang on a minute. (laughs) You didn't know that, did you? No, that's really interesting. So hang on. You're talking about like if I go on to, um, you know, Uber Eats or whatever. Oh, go on to Amazon and say, and, oh, yeah, it's just, no, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, so I want to, I, I go through and I think I'm going to buy this. So I add these things to my my basket. Yeah. And then I go, oh, actually, you know what? That's an impulse buy. I'm going to just, um, I'm not going to do that now. So close the browser down. You're ta- Is this what you're talking about? Yep. Abandoned oh, shopping on. carts online. Hang on. That's almost laughable. And they asked people why they were abandoning these shopping carts. What? And remember, this is 2008. Okay, so hang on. So how does this fit into the picture? And I, you, you, will, you will figure it out. So in 2008, you will remember that it was a bit hard to buy some things online because not all banks allowed you to use your credit card on an overseas website. Right. Yeah, but that's true. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, and the reason some people were abandoning the shopping card is because it was too hard because it was from another country. So back then they said what we really need is an international digital currency because the whole world has gotten 
tied into this idea that everything revolves around shopping. Oh, so they're doing it for our own it's, good. It's they're, all they're, about the consumerism. We are being run on a consumer economy. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter what your industry is. It's yeah. all about, which is why I can't understand this rush to automation. I cannot understand why shops selling the, the basics of life, yeah. like food and drinks, would abandon employees in favour of of gadgets that allow us to serve ourselves because yeah. they're actually cutting off their nose to spite their face that's, because they're not the only ones doing that's it. That's true. I used to think that a lot as well. But think about it. If you start replacing people with machines, mm-hmm. machines work 24 hours a day, yeah. so it's three people losing their jobs yeah, if you're yeah, in a 24-hour yeah. day yeah, yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. And then who is your consumer base? If you've sacked all of the consumers and you've replaced all of the consumers yeah. with non-consuming entities yeah. that can do the work for yeah. essentially free, after you've paid you, for the you, initial installation, they're yeah, free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your consumers slowly can't afford to buy yeah. anything. So If you don't have yeah, the yeah. consumers for everything, and I mean, who ever thought that maybe before we kill off all of the cattle for this thing and all of the chickens for this thing, Maybe we need to know, do we have enough chickens and cattle? And is the disease that we claim they've got actually what we claim they've got? And should we really take out all of the neighbouring herds yeah, as well? Look, this is a, you're going off the reservation, right? I so am. You, you, but, you, you would. but yeah, it's, it's all important. It, it all ties it back does. into this. Mm. We are run on a consumer yeah. economy and yeah. you cannot – this whole idea of industries run on every year you must increase profits. Yeah, yeah. It's and if not you want to watch an interesting movie on that, it's actually The Bank. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Starring Anthony LaPaglia because yeah. they talk about how banks close branches and everything because the CEO, to keep his job, must cut costs to increase profits because yeah. there comes a time when it's saturation and you cannot increase profits by selling more. And, and Rosie, we're and at that's that stage where, now. We all absolutely. know the banks, the whole system's about to collapse. It has collapsed. It, we it, just don't know it yet. It, yeah, we just haven't felt it yet. That's right. And, um, again, we're way off the reservation. <laughs> but we're not really when, because it goes, to, it goes to the fact that there is a small group of people yeah. in one country who happen to be a part of a group that thinks that they are in a position to make the economic decisions and health decisions for every country on the planet. That is tyranny. Well, yes. And the UN was formed to stop tyranny in its tracks and they have become the the tyrants. Mm -hmm. And for Anybody who doesn't understand that, I am not an expert on politics by any stretch of the imagination. No. But I can I can identify tyranny when I see it. Yeah. And the UN is causing more harm to more people yeah. than any tyrant in any country has ever done. And they are taking away people's rights to actually fight tyranny in their own country. Well, um, let's um, continue on then. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Look, 
uh, well, Rosie, I mean, you've just, there's about 10 things I want to say to that <laughs> right now. But um, I think what we need to talk about is Albo's new, Albo, the, the commoner, the commoner that's the, the, the leader of our country. Yes, I know, I'm, I know, keep your mouth shut. Um, he's now introduced this bill that um, this mis- misinformation bill that um, is going to um, affect people like myself and really yourself. Absolutely. Um, and anyone who gets on Facebook or Twitter or, or any of these social media apps and tries to spread um, the reality of the situation, tries to inform their, their, their friends and family about the reality of certain situations. Um, but, but guess what? The government who engaged in just untold levels of misinformation, as we've already covered during this pandemic, uh, COVID-19 era, the, the experts and the data that never existed in, in the chart that you just showed, where they knew that there were injuries, thousands of adverse events due to these vaccines, and they were telling us it was safe and effective, but but they're exempt from this new bill that they're introducing. Well, they can't make themselves accountable, can they? Because they'd never be allowed to do anything. I mean, what is at, at its very nature, at, at the heart of our free election process, what's at the heart of it? They're all misinformation campaigns. No politician would be allowed to hit on the hustings and be able to say, I promise I'm going to do this because it's all misinformation. They would absolutely break the law. Rosie, if we weren't sitting in this little um, shitty little apartment of mine in this makeshift um, eight news (laughs) studio here uh, that that has this horrible echo in it and um, uh, everyone can probably hear what we're talking about on the outside of the door here. Uh, I, I I could find myself screaming at the moment. Absolutely. Um, I am so outraged, and I'm I'm saying it in a nice soft voice because uh, this echo is killing me. It's just all I can hear. Um, but th- this, if people in the public are at the point like that tipping point where they're ready, they haven't previously stood up and spoken out. If they're not ready to do it now, I mean, everyone's on Facebook, right? Everyone's on the so- on social media. Uh, if they're not ready to just start screaming and shouting to the sky, at least howling like wolves, uh, I I personally am losing faith in humanity. Can I? I really make, am. Make a suggestion. Please. I've got a better idea. Instead of going outside and screaming, you know, I've had enough off of this, you know. Yeah. Stop the planet, I want to get off, because that's how we all feel. Yeah. Did you know that at the moment there's this process where you can actually put in a submission and tell them why it's a bad idea to bring it in? Let's talk about that. Um, we need to start actively um, telling the government that they're not. we're not happy with them. And you can do this through e-petitions and things like that. Well, this one, um, I knew I should have written down 
the details or at least emailed them to you. It's all right. We can put them in the description of the show. Yeah, we'll do that. So at the moment, because it's a draft act, you can actually engage in this process and tell the government all of the reasons why it's a bad idea. And there's many, many reasons. And, of course, (laughs) the biggest reason is who gets to decide what's misinformation when we've just come out of a period of three years where lawyers were told, you can't talk about that, it's misinformation. Doctors were told, if you say this, then you will not be allowed to practice as a doctor. We will deregister you. Okay. So when, because the science isn't settled, the law isn't settled, nothing is settled. Well, Rosie, my alter ego is screaming at me right now. (laughs) Where, in that case, we know this is all a reality now, right? Yeah. At what point are we all going to, all of us people who lost our jobs and who were injured by the adverse events and all that sort of thing, at what point are we ever going to get any kind of justice? And and is that even a possibility? Because, I mean, like literally we're, we've already just about destroyed our country economically speaking. I mean, every other country in the world's the same. Can I, can I interject here? Please. And say that. The biggest problem that we've all got with our perception of what life is is that we're all somehow operating on this this number of there, there's few assumptions that we make mm-hmm. that we don't challenge. So we have this idea that life is mostly operated on the internet now, mm-hmm. whereas you don't have to do your banking on the internet. You can actually go into your branch. Yep. Oh, there's hardly you, any you, branches left, but yeah. Yeah, but you can and you should. Yeah. While you've got branches, everybody should go into their branch at least once a week. And, and we should all be using cash at the shop. Um, I, I still haven't looked into it, but I think the Constitution actually means that the government cannot get rid of cash. But – you will always get lawyers who will say, oh, no, 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 As, you know, digital currency is currency, so it's covered. But I would I would make a strong point that we can't let cash go. But one of the things that we forget, and I would like everybody to take a deep breath, mm-hmm. and with all of the love that you can still, still conjure, because we're all living in fear. Mm-hmm. And once you live in fear... You shut down. Yeah, yeah. That that's why governments go negative on you, and during election campaigns they go positive. During yeah, election yeah. campaigns, when they want you to vote for them, they want you to vote for hope. Yeah, hope of a better future. And none of them ever delivered said better future, but right. they certainly sell it. Really hard. And they really sell the fact that they care about you. Yes. They always care during election times, but the second that the election's over, you're you're nothing to them again for the next- Your, your dog's breakfast. Yeah, three or four years and, you yeah. know, we'll, we'll talk to you again later when we need you again. But- Unreal, isn't what, it? What I'm getting to is everybody forgets that we talk to people in real life. We have these conversations and, you know, there's a lot of people now, and I mean, I've always done it. I, 
I will invariably miss phone calls mm-hmm. because I'm not tied to my phone. My mobile phone often stays at home and I'll get these dirty looks from Bill when I get home. I tried to call you and there's your phone ringing right next to me. Good on you. Good on but, you, yeah. you know. Wish I was that good. Well, yeah. all of the devices can listen. I, I always think, well, why would they? But when you have AI that can actually pick up terms, you know, police like listening because they would like to know where the next attack's going to come from. Oh, they love You know, thing. and ASIO wants to know who's plotting and scheming for whatever. But what everybody forgets is that the internet does not define how a country is run, how its people feel. Mm. If people, especially young people, were to disconnect from everything for a while mm. and just start talking and maybe read a book because they can't change a book. They can mm. change the information on the internet. And they're now talking about changing movies because, you know, somebody might be upset about, well, about things they thought about in 1936. Rosie. They're, yeah. they're editing Dahl books. <laughs> they are editing the great movies. I know. And it's like, but they're a historical record of how far we've come. If you're going to change who we are by changing our history, then we are literally living 1984, which is a terrifying book. But, you know, Australia has never had a proper civil war, but we have had the Rum Rebellion and the Eureka Stockade. Yeah, yeah. You know what? They didn't have telephones. They didn't have the internet. Mm. They were just a group of people who said, you know what, we've had enough of this. And how long does the any government, and I'm not talking about any particular government, I'm talking about when you really look at history and remembering I was raised by a father who told me the living history of the Second World War. Mm. and Because you've got a German background. Yeah. Mm. And my dad, my mum used to get beaten to a pulp on a regular basis because she didn't do the sea Isle properly. These people oh did not love the leader, but nobody could talk about it. And what the media said, that oh, Germany loved this leader that they had, I was raised with, well, no, they didn't. They were the glued-on people, just like you've got the glued-on Labor and Liberal voters who think that whoever's in power is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. But the average citizen didn't like what they were doing. The average citizen did did as much to, to, you know, not comply as they could. But as we saw during lockdowns here, we had people reporting on neighbours here. Yeah, that yeah. would have been unheard of five years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's so right. So why did people do it? You know, And it's because, you know, we, we need to remember you can only push people so far, and mm. they are corralling us like animals right now. That that's my that's how I feel about it I because this is triggering to me. So it's the only way that I can say it. And anyone who says that I should sit down and shut up, mm. no, I will not sit down and shut up. We have laws in this country 
that our government is breaking and they're introducing laws to take away our freedoms, our right to mm. express an opinion. You know, instead of telling people, oh, you can't say that it's misinformation, mm -hmm. you know what a better option would be? Why don't we teach people how to think critically? Well, why, why don't we teach people how to well, assess information well, and decide for themselves, but, do I believe this? Rosie, why does the government control the, the education system? I mean, yeah, you've got private schools and all that sort of stuff, but they still have to work under a certain curriculum. Um, but, you know, private schools do it much, much better. Yeah. And Yeah, true. You know, we, we should. I mean – why do we take so much pride in things that the country achieves when it's like I often get amazed at how proud Americans are of, of all of America's achievements because when you really look at it, where do they sit in education? Where do they sit in health? I mean, when you have to take out a mortgage to pay your medical bills, how good's your government? <laughs> it's like. You know, I think the government should be providing services and keep its 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 rotty little mitts out of our business. Yeah, absolutely. If I think that communism is a great thing, that's my you're right. That's, that's my right. Mm. And if I think that fascism is a great thing, that's my right. If but, if I think that democracy is a good thing, that's, that's my your right. right. I'm not allowed to make my right. You're right. Take away That's right. your right. That's right. That's my obligation. I cannot, I can't go out and kill someone because I don't agree with what they say. You might it's identify as a mass murderer, but it doesn't mean that you can go along and uh, and, and kill people. Geez, we're, we're suddenly going to get off the uh, reservation again <laughs> here, Rosie. Suddenly. <laughs> Lots of things are coming to mind. Um I think, Rosie, um, I'd like to maybe move it along a little bit and see if I can get my iPad to um, open up here. And get back to the point. <laughs> get back to the point. Well, I think we've covered off pretty well on on the, that kind of opening discussion about colour of law and the role-playing game that's now set to become a hardcore reality. Yeah. Um, I... I think I also want to mention to you, just as a side note, that um, earlier on in the conversation you were talking about the people who wanted to jump out and get the, the, the jab really early because it was like this real exclusive thing and yep. they, they felt really good about what they were doing. And, and they were protecting themselves. And they were protecting And themselves. they were special. And, and, and you were showing us these chart, this chart of um, – the thousands of adverse reactions on record early in the piece before the mandates came in, yeah. the, the safe and effective uh, vaccines that were mandated um, uh, on all on all workers in Australia or nearly all workers in Australia. Uh, a person who I worked with in those days prior to it was one of these people who was desperate to get it and uh, was going to be the first cab off the rank. Uh, this person's constantly sick now, constantly. You, you know what the third most common side effect of the COVID-19 vaccine is, don't you? Tell me. I do know. I've got lots of information, <laughs> but you tell me. You get COVID-19. 
Isn't it funny? It's not funny. It's not funny. No, it's not funny. If we don't laugh, we cry. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I used to say, like, people would tell me that I had this ridiculous attitude about all of this. And, I mean... I'm not the fittest of people, so I assume that my risk of getting COVID-19 and the adverse side effects Mm. of having it would be greater than for someone who's younger than me. Yeah. But what I found really bad was I've previously suffered an anaphylactic shock. Mm. So when I did the early research in the early days, before the government said, oh, these are the only reasons why you would be exempt from it. Having suffered an anaphylactic shock from anything meant that you were exempt mm. because they didn't want to risk it. Yeah. And I'm there, well, I've suffered anaphylactic shock before. I was I was literally unable to do anything for six months and it took me three years to get over it. Yeah. That's a long time to be sort of, you know, wallowing in self-pity or at least not being able to, you know, get back to being fit. So I made the decision not to. But the funny thing is, at the time, when they were saying, get the vaccine to protect granny. Yeah, yeah. I was a grandmother. Yeah. I'm not a grandmother anymore. You're, I've got a better title. You're a great grandmother now, aren't you? I'm a great grandmother. I'm great <laughs> I, I shall be great forever. <laughs> You're a great 35-year-old grandmother. <laughs> Greatness had, has descended upon me. Mm, yes. But, but now, mm. if they come out with any of this stuff now. Um, I hope nobody can hear the baby crying <laughs> in the background. It's not my it's not my baby, everybody. It's the um, fabulous <laughs> eight new studios that we're sitting <laughs> Anyway, yeah. But, you know, if anyone's going to come out with another thing where, you know, do it for granny. I'm going to stand up and say I'm not doing it because I'm the great-grandmother you're all protecting. Yeah, yeah. Like, go away. Well, Just it was all bullshit. It. it was all bullshit, Rosie. Um, I mean, the risk. It's it's a risk-benefit analysis and people who didn't want to take it had a reason. Yeah. They looked at it and they knew what their bodies were capable of. Absolutely. You, you should have the right to be able to say no without having to have some doctor who isn't allowed to sign off on an exemption having to sign off on an exemption. Because people ended up being vaccinated and injured to keep their jobs. Yep. And this was the great Australian Worker Party. Yeah. And they're what? I I would have expected the Liberal Party to do this. Yep. And remember the election promise, and this is the misinformation campaign starting. It's like, you know, a previous famous prime minister who said, you know, no government, I shall lead, shall. But Mark McGowan actually went to the polls. I will not mandate the vaccine. That was his promise. And I remember remember being in the queue to vote and there were – the Liberal guy was talking to everyone and everyone said, oh, no, 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 Mark McGowan's not going to bring in the mandate. He promised us. And the guy says, how, how quickly do you reckon That'll he's going to renege on that? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 Mark's but, an honourable man. But this is the thing, Rosie, I, ne- I nearly brought this up earlier and I, I find myself bringing it up in every podcast now. 
Um, when are people going to realise that the people are the power? It's not the governments, it's not the employers, and it's not the elites. It's we the people. So with with that understanding and that kind of enlightenment, um, when are people going to realise that their own decision-making process is more valuable than than life itself almost? Like, how, I, I don't know if I'm actually coming full circle and making sense here. I guess what I'm trying to say is, when are people going to have faith in themselves and stop being deceived? We're, um, we're, we're constantly deceived. And, and, I've got this feeling the answer is never because people don't engage. Yeah. They're all too busy with the day-to-day. They're, they're all too concerned about who's going to kick that football the best on the weekend. It's, it's you know, this, this idea of, you know, um, what was it? Feed them bread and give them circuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, keep them so occupied. So there are too many people at the moment who've got two or three jobs. Yeah, well, to survive. That's going or to they're working long hours. Yeah. You know, there are people who are running around. They've got their three kids, and each of their kids needs to go to a different event, and they're running from the moment they get up in the morning until they fall into bed exhausted at night. These people, you can't blame them for not having the time. But there's this level of disengagement with what is happening in the community. I mean, you can see. Can you hear that? (laughs) Of course I can hear that. Hopefully, you know, everyone will realise that you live in an exciting suburb. No, it's a bloody shithole. Um And oh, come it, on, build the illusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're living in this fantastic location. No, it is a great location, but the thing is it's um, it's just uh, we need some soundproofing. But anyway, but, yeah, that, but that's right, Rosie. Uh, the, 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 you, can, you can talk about people being on the, on the treadmill and that's the excuse all you like, but I'd argue that it's now time to recognise that we have to stop and we have to take stock of what the reality is and choose a different path. That means taking responsibility for the country we live in and the conditions we live under. Do you often talk to people when you're going shopping? I Do you talk, talk to, to people in queues? I talk to people all the time. So I have had yes. the most amazing experiences and places I've gone to, I've had I've had the most unexpected conversations with the most unexpected people. So Yeah, that's where you get the real the reality, isn't it? I've mm. got this idea from all of the conversations I have had with the, the reasonable man in the street, mm. which is, you know, a legal standard. And I have a lot of these conversations. And there are people that tell me the oddest things. Mm. that are unexpected. Like Mm. I have little old ladies talking to me in an aisle in the shopping centre saying, oh, and what do you think of this bullshit that these politicians are up to? So 83-year-old. I've I've had the same. Also telling me that, you know, this is just so much bullshit. And when when it's people 
from across the spectrum, I've had conversations with really young people who are saying, this is madness. Yeah. And they're saying, you know, in school, I'm not allowed to say this. I'm not allowed to talk about this. And you know what? You tell people they can't talk about something, they don't talk about it in public. Yeah. They don't talk about it on Facebook. They don't talk about it over the phone. But, but they do talk about it over the barbecue in the park. Yeah, and 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 that's right. You can't stop people from they can they can try all they like. They're never going to be able to stop an idea whose time has come. I don't know where that quote comes from, but but it's a it's a real reality. But this is the thing. Um we're going to continue to be um, dictated to by creepy people in government, people who are chasing power, whose egos have uh, left the planet, if we don't start standing up and pushing back, and legally and lawfully, but it's like the big question that everyone's asking now, where have all the men gone? The The... I mean, you can say, oh, yes, well, they had to go and earn for their families and so they had to take the shot. No, they didn't. See, I'm married to one of the men. I know. Who, having having lost everything through no fault of our own, as you know my story about how I became a lawyer. Yeah, I know. And he said, I am not going through that again. Again, I know, I get that. And... But the, but why the did, funny thing is, like, lots of men were actually threatened. If you don't get the vaccine, I'm taking the kids and leaving. That's a really big threat. Well, that's the that's the propaganda at play there. That's yeah. the result of the propaganda. Yeah. What I'm saying is um, if we as a population realise, coming back full circle to what I was saying earlier, if we realise that, that we are the power, it's not the government's, it's not the it's not the it's not the corporations and it's not the elites. We're the power. Um, we can all together say no, and then yeah. they're screwed. And and listen, it's like let's just put it into context here, right? Um, people generally speaking, there's been studies done. I've read these studies. I can't mm-hmm. quote. There was a long time ago. It was during my kind of more formative years. Uh, where there was this study done by a professor, and I can't remember what part of the world he came from, whether he was Australian or not, but it was a fascinating read. Um, this guy travelled the planet for like 20 years and then at the end of it returned home to write his thesis and what he was interested in is what do people really want? And it was fascinating. He came to the conclusion that people, generally speaking, now, there's lots of people who want to be a millionaire and, and, and want to have a flash car and all that, but the majority of people just wanted the basic human needs. The, yep. What's the hierarchy of needs? You want um, a roof over your head, so you want security, safety. Um, you want to be able to feed yourself and your family. Um, you need to be warm at night kind of thing, and you need to, you know, you you people would like to be able to have their friends and family over for a barbecue on the weekends, whatever the tradition, yep. the national tradition happens to be. Um, and and they'd like to go on a holiday once once a year. Twice a year is preferable. Twice a year. Well, I agree with you. No, no, no. <laughs> More oh, than oh. that. See, but, if a government was really serious 
about being permanently re-elected mm. year in, year out. Yeah, you'd, you'd make sure that happened. And yeah. if you really were in this in this stage where you wanted to have your country be the top of the whiz-bang at everything, yeah, yeah. you would make sure that in every family you only need one breadwinner yep. and the family could have everything that you've just listed. Yep. And you would never, ever bring in a law that stresses people. Yep. You would make sure that the taxes were low and fair so mm. that everybody paid their fair share without trying to do bottom-of-the-harbour schemes. Yeah. Without, you know, well, doing- this is another fascinating subject. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if you wanted to run the country and be- Have you ever read Terry Pratchett and the Discworld? No. Do yourself a favour, read the Terry Pratchetts. The the patriarch, the he's called the patrician. He okay. he rules the country. Mm-hmm. It's Ankh-Morpork, and he's called the tyrant. The problem is this tyrant literally makes sure that that the place just runs smoothly, but oh. they all call him the tyrant because all of the patricians are supposed to be the tyrant. But he's worked out that the way to really run the place well is to make sure you don't engage in wars that you don't need to. You keep your mind, your bits out of other people's business. I mean. If you really want to be in power, you make sure that you look after your people. Yeah. And I mean, this guy, you know, the patricians set it up so that you've got like the assassins guild. Yeah. So if you want to be an assassin, you actually have to have to be trained as an assassin and, you know, you have to follow the laws of being an assassin. So assassination is all legal, but only an assassin can do it. It is it is That's such a funny, funny series. And okay. this, this book, Terry Pratchett is a genius. Well, he's passed now, but he was a genius who absolutely took the mickey out of everything. It's interesting. Out of humanity and all of our foibles, it's it's an observational well, well, kind of thing. Right? Well written, hilarious books. I love them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think I need to. I do need to look at that. And I mean, the Discworld audio book. <laughs> but yeah, the Discworld is actually what it is. What it is, it's a disc. Yep. So the world is actually riding on, on elephants yeah. on. On a turtle. Okay, you're not a flat earther, Rosie. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. But it's that's an imaginary what, world. That's yeah. what this world is, and it's it is brilliant yeah. because he uses these stories as a way to have us look at ourselves and the rules that humans follow, and sort of say that does sound stupid when you put it that way. But 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 it's a reality. Right, because it's, it's an reality. observation. It's an observation of humans, but it's 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 put into terms of this is a pretend world yeah. where all of this happens. Mm. Like, you know, you've got the witches and the witches are brilliant and then you've got the wizards and they're just inept but hilarious. And, you know, there's like this luggage that follows follows the owner around on like a centipede and, it's it's just this lovely series of books. Mm-hmm. I think it's about 18 books or something. Oh, and there's a few movies about it. But the genius of Terry Pratchett and human nature, 
yeah. is at the heart of all of this. Yeah. And you know how you're a little bit worried because humans have lost the plot because we're too busy watching TV and cheering on the footy. Yeah, that really upsets but, me. Yeah. But can I just sort of get you into a bit of a positive spin? Please do, Rosie. I've got this idea that there's a heck of a lot more people having conversations like this Yeah. in the quiet, especially now that so many people know someone who's vaccine injured or they've <laughs> lost someone Yeah. and they're looking back. And that's the great mistake, isn't it? Mm. I, I think the powers that be have overplayed their hand. I think so too. Because they've gotten too too hard and heavy too quick. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. Um, but now they're now we're facing this new reality uh, where they're they're trying to bring in, you know, these sort of these sorts of things like the misinformation bills and. Um, you know the IMF having um, in you know getting all countries to follow along with having a dig everyone has to have a digital ID now that's connected to your money spend, uh, and you've got uh, the UN, well let's just call it the 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 WHO the World Health Organization dictating policy and medical and healthcare okay. policy in in foreign countries. Um, this is a, a hardcore reality. By the way. Uh, have you seen the videos of people trying to get into um, like Aldi's and things like that in other countries, shopping like grocery just to buy food? I haven't. I've seen having to I've scan, seen the photos of it and I've they seen were a video talking of it. about it. Yeah, you, you've got to have your your digital ID connected to your phone, type of thing. You have to scan in a QR QR code to get in and buy fruit and veg. Well, I hate to tell the people, the leaders in the country that are allowing that to happen because that is absolutely against our basic human rights because your basic human right is access to food and water and they have no right to put any fetus on it. They're not allowed to say, you can have it if. Yeah, it's a threat and it's a threat of harm. And do you know how many people it would take to say, you know what? We're not doing that. They—they're really. I mean, you, you just talked about them. Um, the the great mistake they made. They went too hard and too fast. It's it's like they really want um, the people to rise up and and bring out the guillotines. Absolutely, it, it's crazy. It, it feels what it feels like. You've and got a death I've, wish. I've spoken to a few people from the African continent. So they've all come from different countries but they've all lived through a civil war in their country and that's yeah. why they're in Australia. Yeah, look. I'm, you know what they say? Yeah, please. They say, you know, it feels like the world is building for a civil war. Do you know what? Um, I've said this before on a podcast. I'm pretty certain I have anyway. Uh, for the audience out there, if you want to have a truly fascinating conversation, uh, go call a cab. Uh, and hope that you get a foreigner. I mean, I mean that in a, a, a respectful way. Um, get in that cab and start talking to them and ask them about where they've come from and why they're here. I've done it many times. I have, I've had some freaking phenomenal conversations. Those people are truly awake. They know what's going on. 
because they've seen the hardcore reality of it, that that side of it that we haven't seen here. Um, Rosie, I could talk about that part of it, that that kind of subject for so long. I mean, I've just had so many of these conversations. I used to find being a fly in, fly out worker, which by the way, I've got a I've got to turn on my phone. In fact, I might have it on here. I took a photo of an article out of the newspaper this morning, the Western Australian, the West Australian. It's a legal question I've got for you. Uh-oh. Make sure I make sure I ask that beforehand. But um, yeah, it's um it's something I'd really like the audience to do is actually go jump in a cab and start talking to that person and find out why um, they're here. And um, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, uh, on that same point, just because I didn't live through the Second World War, mm. I lived it vicariously because my parents lived through it as children. Yes, yes. And my father raised me on all of those stories and he always said, Look out for when your government starts bringing in laws that mean you can do anything you like to your neighbour because your neighbour suddenly doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. He said you look out for laws where the government gives themselves powers that take away your rights. Yeah. And everybody who, who says this can't happen in Australia I've got one question and only one question. Why not? Yeah. What makes right. Australia so special uh, uh, yeah. that we're immune from having a government like Rosie, I'll ad- you know. I'll admit to you that I would have been one of those people saying that just a few years ago. We all know now that we are we were the test bed uh, here in New Zealand, other um uh, British colonies, Commonwealth countries, Commonwealth countries like Canada, probably worse than Australia again. But 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 this colour of law role play that we went through, this te- it was a test. We were the test bed. That they absolutely wanted to know how far they could push us before we pushed back. Hundred percent. The problem is, they kind of failed, mm. and the next move. Yeah, they got plenty of people to just agree this time. But, you know, how much worse do they want to make it next time? Because it's got to be pretty, yeah, pretty and big. The, and, and, and this is it, Rosie. I want to come back to this chart that you held up before. So we started going in that direction, but we never got there. When is When are we going to be able to present this data, this real data, to the courts and get some kind of justice here, get some kind of resolution. I mean, forget the freaking voice. Uh, I don't know why I had to say that, but it just came into my mind. I mean, that one is a true divide and conquer campaign. If I've never seen one, it's the most, the most blatant divide and conquer and campaign. And I, I actually don't think that um, Albanese's tears on that one are real. I think it is a distraction. It is it look. Bef- I know that we talked about it before we started recording about how much time do we have. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, we've got until the referendum because the referendum isn't a real issue. Oh, look. It is the biggest distraction that the government it, it could really come up is. with. It really so is. that we're all fighting about is it racism yeah. or, or is it that 
and and if it's racism, which side is and, racist? And, and let's not go off the um, reservation again, yeah, because but but yeah. the time frame is before the referendum, something big is coming. Yep. And the reason I know is because the the referendum is like a non-event to have the constitution change to put something back into the constitution that we've already removed. Yeah. And that's what we did. We removed this idea that Aborigines were somehow separate because they're Australians. Mm. And now we want to put it back in that Astra- that Aborigines are somehow separate and yeah. they need a separate voice because the assumption is the constitution is a permanent thing and the assumption if you put something into the constitution is that it needs permanent protection so if we if the voice is to improve the way that aborigines are heard then you wouldn't put it into the constitution because that implies well you'll never be heard that okay. that's my take on it but I think we've got all of the the things in place to be heard. It's just that nobody's listening. So why, instead of changing the constitution, don't we change the way the government listens? Because they're not hearing what's being said. The interest groups, the Aboriginal interest groups, have been speaking to them for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody hears. Nobody. Yeah. Mabo was supposed to be the great saviour. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And- Mabo has, has created this division amongst the Aborigines. I, I know gets manipulated. I know Indigenous groups who are infighting. There's lots of infighting. Mm. I mean, there's lawyers involved in in legal arguments where the groups are fighting over who has authority over the land, mm. and the voice won't solve that. Yep. The voice won't solve the, the issues that are in the communities because nobody's actually listening. And I, I think we need to listen. And the government needs to listen to all Australians. We don't need all of this government overreach. We need to have in place all of the things that make for a good life. Yeah. And we will work hard. Yeah. And we need to have that reward system in place. And what the government's done is it's taken away all of the rewards and just put in all of the punishments. Either you do or we punish instead of do this and this is what you get out of it. Which side do you want to take? It's it's honestly, Rosalie, it's like it's the answer. Um, you know, you go to the airport these days. I've just started working again. I'm, I'm a fly-in, fly-out worker, purely through necessity. It's not where I really want to be. I'm enjoying it. I really am. It's really good to be back at work. Um, but there, I have a, a slightly different aspiration for my life. But it's good for now. But um, you, you now have to go through the full body scanner every time. And, and it's really interesting what they do is they'll you, you'll go for a, a week or two and everything will be fine, maybe a couple of weeks, and you'll just go through it's all supposed to make everything more efficient and you'll zip through. And then all of a sudden, um, I don't know what it is that they do, but 
everybody sets off the the scanner. So in on my last flight through Perth Airport, I go through the scanner just like everyone in front of me and everyone behind me, and it set off the scanner. And then they they show you, you, you then you have to get directed over to get patted down, literally patted down. And they have this little screen that shows you a, like a graphic of the parts of your body that set off the scanner. And oh, it was really interesting. I mean, I'm going to have to start f- filming this. Did you set it off? Yeah, yeah, everyone did. And and the, the scanner was showing the, 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 the body image and the areas that were of question for me. And it was like both shoulders and around this sort of area of my chest, there was nothing there, absolutely nothing there. And um, I, I've got to be honest with you. And and then and on another week, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't take off my belt because you know, apparently that'll set the scan off. Go through no problem. But then suddenly they're there making sure that everyone takes their belt off. And of course, this was the same week, the, the last week when I went through. And um and the and it, and the scanner was like creating these fake alerts, so that they had to put their hands on you and pat you down, and and honestly, it just goes to show what an utter con this whole thing is. And if we come back full circle and we get to this position, this I, I think what we would be talking about is this um kind of a a golden age where governments did realise that all people wanted these common this hierarchy of needs, if that's met, then there will be no problems. I mean, everything now is about, you know, like this stuff that's going on at the airport, it's about stopping the terrorists. How but, many terrorists but, go on a, on a plane to a mine site? N- well, none, but this is the point. Uh, if these belligerent actors, I keep using this word belligerent, it's like really in my mind at the moment because – and this this deceitfulness that we experience with our governance these days, um, and I'm talking worldwide, right? If they got the fuck out of our business and just allowed us to meet the hierarchy of needs, you would find that the planet would be in peace. The quickest really way to get peace that. is to have people happy. And you yep. can't be happy permanently, but the best way to achieve contentment. Yeah is by not having problems. Well, what are our problems? People are worried about interest rates. They were yep. worried about their jobs. Yep. They're worried about their health. They're worried about retirement. They're worried they're, about having the access to energy so that they can have a heater, for I example. Mean, we're on, on good money because my husband's in mining. Mm. I'm... Well, you're, oh, you're trying to survive as a lawyer. I mean, everyone's got this idea that lawyers make stacks of money. It's not true, is it? Um, Same as doctors. It depends on what kind of law you do and how many hours you work and there's yeah. lots of things. So if you want to make a lot of money as a lawyer, you go into commercial law yeah, where you represent yeah. the big boys who yeah. have an open checkbook because yeah. they're fighting the little guy yeah, yeah, and yeah. they don't mind throwing good money at it. Yeah, after that, it, it sort of it, it goes down. Yeah. Um, I probably do far too much discounting for my clients who, you know, most of my clients have got no money, but, you know, they pay their bills. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a sec. We, we need to move on towards all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but 
Um, we do. But, but, and, and, but, but this is the thing, Rosie. Um, continue with your point that – well, what was your point? Sorry. Well, my, what I was getting to is my husband and I, we're, we're at that great age where, you know, we're still working. Yeah. Um, we would be considered geriatric in any other century because, yeah, yeah. you know, we have achieved greatness at long last. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and even though we're on good money, and we literally only have to pay for ourselves and our two very spoiled bratty dogs. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, are we going to be able to continue doing this to make ends meet? And if I feel like that with a good income with my husband, yeah. how the hell do people with kids where they've got to pay all of the school fees, they've got to clothe these children. Absolutely. And children, you can't buy a year or two years' worth of clothes. No, that's right. You have that, to replace their clothes all the time because if you're doing the right thing and you're feeding them properly, they're going to grow. But this is the reality. This is where we're, where we're, what we're heading into. And I guess to wrap this sort of part of the conversation up, yeah. um, I think this is what I wanted to ask you is, Rosie, what kind of Australia do you think we're going to be living in in the next few years? Are you asking me with my happy bubble on and all shiny or do you want my doomsday face? Well, I just want your your reality. Like um, where, where in the coming years, and I'm talking, when I, when I say years, I'm not talking like 10 years. I'm talking like two years. Yeah. We're potentially going to be living in a very, very different society. What, what do you think it's going to be like to be a citizen in Australia in, in two years' time? What's your what's your realistic take on it? Where do you think we'll be? Can I just say that um, some people would call me delusional, but mm. I have this idea that um, there is a lot to be said for the language you use. I mean, words do have power. Absolutely. Think think about the the words they use when they draft laws. Yeah. Some very benign. Words like shall or must mm-hmm. or can or discretion or, you know, that the difference between the word and and the word or in legislation, mm-hmm. it's a, it makes a big, big difference to the outcome for someone. We're going to have to have a conversation so, about that one day, but yeah. Yeah, so words matter mm. and thoughts matter and... If you look at some of the esoteric teachings from, you know, globally, all of the different religions and all of the things that they say, they all go towards what you send out, you give back, you Mm. you get back. So I try to avoid looking at the reality that we're looking at because the reality is in two years' time we are going to be living under a tyranny in Australia, mm. both federal and state, mm. Mm. because they have changed the laws so much to take away our freedoms and they're about to take away our right to argue back. They are, mm-hmm. If you are looking at the misinformation bill, yeah. if you look at it realistically, mm. 
if only the government is allowed to spread misinformation, then every single politician or wannabe politician, anybody who stands up at the next election Mm. to run an election campaign can be taken down before they even get off the ground for misinformation. Yeah, because they're not in parliament. Because they're every, not elected. And every time yep. that they say the government is doing this, but what they're really doing is that, guess what it means? It's misinformation. It's misinformation. She, oh, you, you, I hadn't you, thought you of it to, that way. If you look at the way that the language is being used against us. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, back in the 80s we were saying you can't change the language like that. And, I mean, when you get to some languages like German and French where everything has a gender. Yeah. It's either male, female or it. Yeah. If it's inanimate, it's neat. Yeah. But if it's if it's something that's a living being, it's either male or female. Yeah. I wonder how they're going with their transgender issues over there then. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting concept. So mm. when I was a lot younger and we were having these conversations early about language. Mm. It's sort of there. But if you change the way that we use the language and you assign certain meanings to some words and you ban the use of other language, so some words you're no longer allowed to use, you're also changing how we understand things and how we think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because... We think, when, when you say a word, I mean, I think in pictures, so some conversations I'm out immediately because I see I, I see horrible things and I just walk away because, you know, I can't deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's which interesting. Is, which is probably why I never, ever considered any kind of a medical career because I, I was in the ambulance cadets and it was all fine while we were, you know, putting bandages on on. Yeah, yeah. arms, but oh. we we did this thing where it was a competition, and they actually put the the realistic looking stickers on, so that people did actually look like their bones were sticking out of their leg, and that was me out. I oh, co- I couldn't deal with him the pretend blood. So yeah, right. Uh, That's interesting. I never knew that there were a- ambulance cadets. Did you not know that? No, I'm a bit backward. Oh, it was it was really great being an ambulance, ambulance cadet. cadet. I knew there were Air Force cadets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that. Interesting. So, um, but, you know, words matter. Mm. And the minute that you stop people from being allowed to use certain words, you change the meaning of the language. Yeah. And then when people, like, I never knew what banting was. Okay, what's that banting? It, it's a di- it's a form of dieting, which essentially means you know you don't eat certain foods. You don't have sugar, I believe. I, I think okay. banting is actually the keto diet okay. from way back. Okay, but what's the, so? What's your point? Yeah. Well, banting was a word used in one of the Agatha Christie stories, right? So, in the time of Agatha Christie, banting was still a word that we used. But it fell out of fashion, which yeah. happens in a living it's like language. The word gay. Well, I remember the good old days when gay just meant you were happy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like well, now we're not allowed to use it because you know it's been uh, um, 
It's been hijacked. The word's been hijacked. But I mean, this hijacking of things like the rainbow. Do you know what the rainbow is? Um, I hope so. Yeah. Well, no. You, do you know the meaning of the rainbow? What What's the significance of the rainbow? Well, it's a thing that happens in nature. Yeah, but what's the significance of what it? now? No, you mean with the gay and no, happy people? No. See, tell me, tell me, Rosie. Don't get cryptic on me. <laughs> God. So the flooding, 40 days and 40 nights. Flooding, yeah, yeah, the biblical the, flood. The, the biblical flood. Yeah. And, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. At the end of the flood, God gave us a rainbow mm. as a promise to never do that again. You're right. It was a promise. It's a, it's a Christian. I didn't or, know that. It, it, it's, it's a religious symbol. It is from the Bible. That's interesting. It's interesting. Sometimes we have to look at what the meaning is. And, of course, we've changed the meaning of the rainbow. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, do you remember the Care Bears? Oh, I know. I saw it on TV. I wasn't really those. One of, <laughs> I wasn't a Care Bear kind of kid. So one of the Care Bears <laughs> has rainbow. Yeah. And that's when it started to change. The meaning of the rainbow started to change well, because they started using it. And, I mean, the Care Bears weren't the first, but it started being used to represent other happiness. It, it stopped being simply a religious symbol. Right. So. There you go. God, you learn something every day. Oh, just, you know. Happy to share that one. Yeah, no, thank you, Rosie. But there's lots of things that, you know, when we change the language, we change our understanding, we change how we interact with other Mm. people. And, of course, one of the biggest problems is, like my sister still lives in Germany Mm. and she learned the Queen's English. And as you and I well know, there is a significant difference between the Queen's English and Australian English. Yeah, tell us all about that. Um, I when think my, my grandmother used to go on about this, but yeah. When my sister comes to Australia, she's like, they don't speak English. <laughs> they just don't. And, and oh, we don't okay. because we, we're not precise in our language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even, our, the, even the actual English don't really speak Queen's English anymore. Well, we have to sort of translate for others, like, yeah, I once had to translate for an American. He was a, a manager at the Boddington Gold Mine. Okay, and I was on the environmental committee, and one of the guys sort of said, "Oh, and you know this guy, oh, but but you're a good bastard <laughs> type thing, you know. I, oh, you know, you're a bastard, but you know." You're a good bastard, yeah. Real Aussie, Aussie. And this clip. guy got really upset, and yeah. I sort of had to say, "You know, no, in Australia, the thing. word bastard isn't an insult. That the word yeah. bastard is actually a term of endearment." Yeah, <laughs> this guy was showing you great respect. You're a good bastard, <laughs> and it's like yeah. he he totally missed this this idea that we use words. Well, there's whole YouTube channels about Australian um, colloquialisms. You know, um, I can't even say the word. I used to play this online game mm-hmm. and it was uh, Peggy 13 and it's a German game, but it, it's run in English. You've got an English channel for it. 
Okay. And the moderators. I never thought you was a video gamer, Rosie. <laughs> I'm a gamer for whatever. Right. Okay. I am tragic. Okay. But but the moderators. Yeah. Like there were so many requests from Australians. Can we please have these words put into the safe list? Because in Australia, they are not swear words. And as evidence, we had to show them an ad, a television ad for one of the words. You know which ad it was, don't you? Not happy, Jan. No. <laughs> no. The Toyota ad, you know, bugger. <laughs> because in English, bugger is not a term to be used yeah, with yeah, children yeah. under 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, children aren't allowed to, to know the word bugger, so... You know, 13-year-olds aren't allowed to know it. So it was on the banned list. And, right. And Australian players kept getting banned on this game. Bugger me. <laughs> because they go, bugger me. Well, bugger me. Oh, <laughs> so, so, Look, we're getting off the reservation again, Rosie. Oh, but actually, it's no. Interesting. This no, is misinformation it's... campaign and yeah. the use of language, so we're still on point. Yeah. That's it, my submission. No, that's – that's it's gosh – yeah, I never thought we'd end up having this conversation <laughs> about buggers. Um, but anyway, so, look, Rosie, let's move it on, um, move it along, I should say. Um, I really wanted to ask you about, um, I guess this is a bit of a follow-up on um, previous conversations that we've had, whether it be on this podcast or on the YouTube channel, um, but about uh, the people who have, through this era of protesting for our freedoms and our rights, um, people who have um, ended up getting entangled in the law. And I just wanted to spend a a couple of minutes talking about the kinds of things that um, people, the the kinds of mistakes that people have made and why, and the kinds of things that they need to be looking out for in the future. Because as we've outlined throughout this conversation, um, we are facing a, a much starker reality to the one we're, that we're used to um, with, um, you know, all these things coming into law now, not under colour of law, actual law. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got um, people like we've got the common law kind of people that are out there um, not just here in Western Australia, Australia-wide. And I believe, I feel, and, and, and you know, these are great people, but I feel that the point that, the point that they're missing is that um, we have a, an existing mandate of power and just because that you feel differently to that, it doesn't mean that you can go, oh, sorry, your laws don't apply to me anymore. Uh, that just isn't going to fly. It never was going to fly. Um, no matter how how good a, a um, argument they've got against the existing set of laws, um, it's not mandated. So the, 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 we need to understand law as it is and we need to understand how to work within it to make the change that we all want to see. So... Can you just talk to that for a minute? What sort of things that – because you, you've been representing some of these people. Um, I've only got one one client who obviously I can't talk about. Yeah, of course. Who, who started out doing these, you know, your law doesn't apply to me arguments. Yeah, yeah. 
um, her starting position is a little bit different. But I've known about and had to deal with this this pseudo-law since I first started reaching out to other people in the banking area. Mm. This is what started your journey. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, it's quite confusing for people who know nothing about the law Mm. to realise that when they say, oh, we're the common law people, that's the most ridiculous thing because Australia is a common law jurisdiction. You can go and do an argument under the common law in any court in Australia. Right. Because it remains the law of the land. Mm-hmm. The reason why some of the law has been codified is so that people know that they've got a set of laws that they can look at and say, to comply with this law, or, you know, if the government reckons that I have breached these laws, I can show that I haven't. Because to break the law, I must have done all of these elements. So, you know, for drink driving, it explains what drink driving is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's a level when you can get done for drink driving? I think it's anything over 0.05. Well, so, generally, depending on what level of licence you have, but, yeah, point but, 0.05. But, you know, yeah. you, you can look at the law. Yeah. And it means that every citizen in the jurisdiction knows where to find the law yeah. to understand what laws they must follow. Mm. So when you get your driver's licence, it's your responsibility to know what the laws are. Mm. And the reason they've codified it is so that there aren't endless arguments over whether you've actually broken the law. Right. But you can always go back to the common law and say, but it doesn't make sense because. So the whole, well, we're common law people, can I just say it's a trigger for me. It's a trigger for me as well. I I really don't don't understand it like you do, but yeah. One of the things that I want to do, as an... As a lawyer, mm. I'm an officer of the court mm-hmm. and my primary responsibility, the predominant thing that I must do is to make sure that the court comes first. I have a duty to the court first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I've got to make sure that if I'm representing someone, that all of the facts get to the court. Mm-hmm. And when these common law people show up and they tell people who've got a really good case where they've actually got the evidence in their favour and then these people get a hold of them because the people can't afford to have a lawyer and get a legal opinion and suddenly these people are saying, I just told the court you don't accept their jurisdiction. How does that help? It doesn't. And so I'm, I think one of the things that I have to do is to assist the court in coming to a good conclusion, to, to, to give justice. Yeah. So I want to actually be that intercept where I teach people about the law because people don't understand the law. They have yeah. less interest in the law 
than they do in politics and they have zero interest in politics. Yeah, and and this is a big problem. This is what we're always talking about on the Eight News Show. But um, so you're talking about um, the your future as a lawyer here, right? Because you're wanting to start, I guess, this pra- this new kind of practice where you're providing educational material so that people can start learning the law. Is that right? Yeah, I want to be known as as a lawyer that's approachable so that people can ask me the questions that they don't want to ask a lawyer. Right. In in my legal practice to date, I've I've had clients come to see me and they tell me that they know everything about the law and then you look at the information and everything. Well, you look at the evidence they've got and what's happened and, you know, you get them to do a chronology and they've got a hold of the wrong end of the stick altogether. Right. And this is people who aren't trying to use arguments that are unwinnable because they're nowhere near the ballpark of being in the law. Yeah. I mean. These are people who are trying to do it like a normal process or a normal practice, yeah. And the reason they've done it isn't because they're, they're trying to be obtuse or give the lawyer a hard time. They want to show that they are able or at least this is my interpretation of why some people do it, that mm. they start to talk in legal terms and use legal language and they do it so that the lawyer knows that they are just as intelligent as the lawyer. Yep. And I I'm think, all for this, yeah. But I think they do themselves a great disservice because, A, they're using language that lawyers haven't used in 30 years. Okay. Because lawyers are supposed to be using plain English. We're not supposed to be using lots of Latin and the long-winded words. We're supposed to use plain English okay, as much as possible unless we can't avoid it. But that's so that people understand what it is you're talking about. Because, again, getting back to words have meaning. Ordinary words may have a different meaning in certain acts. So you've got to know and then you've got to explain to your client, look, ordinarily this is what this word means, but in your situation, the way that the lawyer on the other side has used this this word, it actually means this. So it, you, you really have to teach people how to help themselves and how to step back from trying to do it all themselves and teach them where they can do it themselves. There's lots of things people can do to get on top of their case, to keep their legal fees down, to really help themselves. Okay, so this is where you're empowering people, you mean, to um, uh, to, to put all of their evidence together, um, mm-hmm. know where to turn so that they don't get caught up in what, with, with a pool of sharks to, to make it so that they know how to navigate the legal system and where to yeah. seek help. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if somebody's got a lawyer, what, what I'm hoping to do is put together a few courses 
right. so that I teach people like how to put together your chronology, which sounds really simple, even to me, mm. because you know, I figured out how to do this during our own case. But then I keep forgetting that I don't just have my more recent legal knowledge. I've got word processing skills that go back to when Word was first published. Okay. I've been using, I mean, I did typing in high school. Okay. Where are you going with this? And I'm going, some people do not have the skills to be able to put together a Word document that is a chronology. I get you. I get you. So So I can, I explain to people what a chronology is and what I need them to put together. If if you give a chronology to a lawyer and you show them what evidence is and what the document's filed as, Mm -hmm. it makes it really easy for a lawyer to follow you while you're giving instructions. I get you, yeah. And later when your lawyer's going through your documents and actually assessing your case. Rosie, in other words, um, how to set up your documentation correctly so that you're not wasting um, literally thousands of dollars yeah. on a lawyer putting together your chronology or any other document, you can prepare it yourself. Yep, absolutely. So, so that you're minimising the time that needs to be spent by yeah. a lawyer to pre- pre- prepare your documentation. I mean, even if you're paying the lesser rate, which would be for like a clerk mm-hmm. to put together your chronology from your documents, mm-hmm. it's much better for you to do it yourself. And some people don't get the concept of what a chronology is. They don't understand that, you know, you start with the very first thing that happened and then in date order. So if there were 10 letters, you put them from the first letter, the date of your response, then what they said. You know, if the start was... The contract that you signed. Yeah. But that might not be the start. The start might be you've got some notes of the discussion you had mm. and the things that you agreed to in writing before the contract was written. So these are things that should be in your chronology so that your lawyer, without you being there, can understand your story. Yeah. And because get- some things might be relevant. Mm. And you don't know, but your lawyer does. Yeah. I guess the other part of this is as well that, I mean, well, shit, any normal person, I know this would be me, I'd be having a meltdown if I was in a situation like that. Whereas if you if you understand how to approach it properly, you can kind of logically put it all together that, that gives you back a fair bit of control over the situation in a lot of ways. Most of the stress, in my opinion, is that you're trusting someone that you don't really know Mm. and you're paying a lot of money. Yeah. And I I have certain biases because of my experience, Mm. but I can tell you that if somebody is going to be looking at the synopsis of what my course is about and says, well, that's not me, Mm then obviously that's not the person it's aimed at. But there are a lot of people who I assume have skills and then it becomes obvious they don't. So I think a lot more people would have to learn how to use Word first 
I'm not the person to teach you, but I can teach you how to put together a chronology. Yeah, yeah. And how to organise a filing system and a naming system for your files so that you don't lose electronic documents. Yeah, yeah. That Look, that's a, yeah, you know, really important and, and part. This, it, yeah. You know, people forget that you really need to read your documents. And I know when we got the affidavit from the bank in our matter, I didn't read it. Do you know why not? Um, emotional stress? Well, my son was in the hospital dying. Right. That tends to prioritise things for you a little bit differently. Yeah. So I had a lawyer representing me and I relied on him to read the affidavit. But my husband was self-representing, so he received a copy of the affidavit. And I didn't read it until after we'd lost that summary judgment and then all of the evidence we needed to win was in that affidavit. Um, and my lawyer hadn't read it. And oh. I do have to say there were two lawyers in my life. So there was the first legal team that missed it. Yeah. And the second legal team that we used when we sued the bank for damages. So the second lawyer is now doing his PhD. He's brilliant. You know, would never say a bad word against him. And the first legal team let me down. And did you did, did you still have to pay that first legal team? team? So um, we ended up settling with them as well. Wow. So that Rosie, this isn't that long ago in your life, right? How long ago is this? Um, we sued the bank in 2013. And along the way to suing the bank, we settled the matter with the law firm. Yeah, wow. I don't know how everyone else is reacting to that, but I mean, I've got such admiration for you because, oh, you. because you know, like um, you're you're not a spring chicken. I know you're only thirty five. I'm great. I'm, I'm twenty one. Twenty one, right? Making me older than I am. Um, sorry, I, I'm trying to pose this in the right way. Um, without being offensive. Without being offensive, right? <laughs> That's but, right. But the thing that what well, the thing that I've oh, I've just done a. A, ca- a black camera um, shot again. Um, the thing that I I really admire is that um, you weren't starting your career out. You were already well and truly into your life, and then you've just gone and become a lawyer. Like you, you didn't um, take it as a defeat. You just you stepped up to it. Um, Got yourself educated. I actually did a whole law degree just to figure out how on earth the bank won. That's when beautiful. When we had the though. evidence that what we said was true. Yeah. We we did not do what the bank said we did. It was their <coughs> bank manager and we lost everything. I just And it wasn't until the very last semester of my law degree. That you understood that? that you mean? No, no, that I decided, you know what, I, I reckon I could be a lawyer. So you went to uni without any um, intention of becoming a lawyer. Pretty much. And you did all of that just so you could understand the situation. I really I, I love that story, Rose. When we settled with the bank, I always said, I'm never going to stop talking about this. I'm not going to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Mm, good on you. The only thing I'm not allowed to talk about is 
what we settled for. That's it. I can talk about what happened. Yeah. I can talk about the law around what happened and. Just can I, can I just ask you one thing? Yeah. Did you screw the bejesus out of them? No. Oh, Rosie, now you let me down. Between a rock and a hard (laughs) place and had it been my decision, Mm. I would have taken it all the way. Right. But it wasn't my sole decision. Your husband, your husband had to have a say in it too. Well, yeah. And of course, this is where one of my strengths as a lawyer comes from because I can tell people that sometimes you have to you have to make a compromise that you you think you don't want to make mm. because the time involved in going to court, yeah. the risk involved, the cost of the law, lawyers, the legal yeah. fees for us were going to be about $300,000 and it was going to take at least three years. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I know people who've been at this for 10, 15 years. In similar situations, you mean? Yeah. One case has only just settled at the end of last year. Okay. Did they screw the bejesus out of the bank? No, but they they got a good settlement. Good. But, you know, it, it took years. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely years. Yeah. So I can give that into whatever I do with the law. I can help people because I know it can be Absolutely devastating. I can tell you right now, women cope better with this than men mm-hmm. on average. Mm-hmm. And that's because men are raised to be the breadwinner. And when the bank comes after you and they take everything, it destroys the average man. Yeah. Because they somehow think that it's their fault. Even yeah. though there's all of the evidence in the world, you know, it's it's a tough, tough gig. And it's any time you're up against injustice, when you are the victim of an injustice, it takes something away from you. And I recommend to to all people, I don't initially, because I try to assess whether they actually do need to have counselling. And some people, especially men, will say, look, I'm, I'm coping really well, it's not a problem. And it's not until suddenly they start saying certain things that, you know, the alarm bells go off. Yeah. Because some of what lawyers do is supposed to be pastoral care. And the reason why a lot of lawyers have got big problems or can have big mental health problems, mm-hmm. because you do take on a lot of the the stuff your clients are going through. It's just human you, nature. You can't help it, yeah, if you're if you're an empathetic sort of person. I mean, I know male lawyers who, you know, that they, they find strategies to cope because no matter how much they distance themselves, mm-hmm. there's still this idea that, you know, I'm the thing that's keeping this person afloat. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a big thing. It's, you know... There's a reasonably high suicide rate in the legal profession. Yeah. And, you know, I know of at least one barrister that took his own life. In recent years, recently? Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you off camera who that was. Yeah, okay. But um, Can't wait. Well, That's the morbid side of me. Sorry. No, no, it's just... Um, 
you know, I, I don't think we need to talk no, of about names in, of in the we public don't. forum. We, we, we don't. Because, we, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of this whole pastoral care thing where, you know, a lot of the a lot of the things that I can give to people is help them navigate this even by just being on top of their information yep. so that they can tell if, if their case is going to go somewhere and make the decision to pull the pin if suddenly it doesn't add up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got to know that sometimes you've got to cut your losses. If you get an offer, you might be better off taking it. you got to know. Even if you think it's too low. And yeah. sometimes if you hang in there, you do get the big win. Yeah, yeah. But you got to know when to hold and when to fold, as they say. Yeah, and okay. it's not easy to know. Okay, Rosie, um, I don't know if we've covered it properly, but just um, I just want to close the conversation out with this coming back to the question that I was asking you earlier. Um, if we're right, and we may not be, but, I mean, there's there's lots of threats on the horizon right now, threats to our freedom and our humanity. Um, from a legal standpoint, of course, we don't – we can't predict everything, but, but roughly speaking, what are the general rules of operation for people who are going to stand up against tyranny in the next era of these attacks that are coming on our freedoms? Um. If you are dealing with the police, mm -hmm. I would recommend if a police officer challenges you and says, I want your name and address, can you not be a stickler for the law? Because unless you're actually, you know, committing a crime or, you know, reasonably suspected of committing a crime, they actually don't have the right to ask you. Yeah. Just give them your name and address. Yeah. Don't start attacking to, straight up. You know, yeah. in this day and age, they know who you are. They can find out who you are. It's not a big deal. We've got facial recognition of yeah. all the cameras on the streets. You know, just garbage. Yep. don't engage. And if mm -hmm. they say something that pushes your buttons, calm down. Calm the farm. What mm. they are trying to do, some of them, some police officers take great delight in escalating situations and police should be de-escalating. Yeah. But we're in, in times where some police officers take great delight in escalating situations. They do not walk away. Yeah. So you have to calm down. You be the adult in the situation because you don't want to go to jail and they've got the power to do that to you. Be the bigger person. Yeah. And, of course, the, the other thing is don't lecture a police officer. If they are going to have their wake-up call, Leave it to someone else to do it in a non-threatening situation. Yeah. If you are under suspicion of committing a crime, that is not the time to be lecturing them about the Nuremberg Code or anything else. Yeah. The first thing is self-preservation. And mm. the best way to preserve your freedom is to not engage with an unknown quantity. Mm. And what you don't know about any person at all is what they're triggers are you don't know so let it go live yeah. to fight another day peaceful resistance peaceful non-compliance with ridiculous laws where 
I'm not sure if anybody really understands that when you when you go to court, it's not just the act that's relevant. It's also the Legal Interpretation Act. Mm. And legal interpretation means that if a law is ridiculous or the application of a law mm. is something that is unreasonable, no court will find you guilty of it because they can't. It's like they can't find you guilty of stalking if you've been protesting outside of government house well before the person who has accused you of stalking them mm. even moved in. A, it's a, a ridiculous case here in Western Australia. Which is probably the most that I want to talk about on this one, simply because it, the court must consider whether the application of the law is actually correct. Yeah. And in this one, you know, you can't be stalking if you're protesting and protesting is a protected right. Mm. So therefore the police shouldn't be moving you on. They need to protect your right to protest. It's in the it's in the law. Okay. Since we're on that subject and we, ne we need to wrap it up, we've been yep. going for a while now, but um, okay. So tell us about that. How should the people, because there were people arrested, there were people that were manhandled in a yeah. quite a violent way. How should they have reacted in that situation where they had a police officer, actually I think originally it was a sergeant, coming up and saying, you're going to be arrested for stalking. What's, what's the correct way to handle that? Actually, in that case, I really don't know because it's such a ridiculous proposition. Okay, but there are, there are general not, rules to follow. Yeah. One way not to react is mm. to engage with the police officer's thing and start yelling and screaming. Yeah. You don't use profane language. You don't call them maggots. You, you, you just don't. They're, they're, they're doing the, the job that they have been told to do. You don't know what instructions they hold. Obviously, yeah. something came down from somewhere. Yeah. Remembering and that the former police commissioner was in the house. It, it, yes, yes. And, I mean, I want to just be clear. Um, I agree with the people that, that were saying, hang on a minute, you can F off because you don't have um, – the, the polite thing would be, I'm sorry, yeah. officer, but I am here protesting and it's a protected right. And that is all that they would have had to have said. Beautiful. And if they were given move on orders, you follow those orders and then you go straight to the police and you put in a complaint. You go to the station and you, you put complain. in a complaint. Yep. You complain about your treatment. But you don't cause a scene. You don't interact. You just politely say, I am here protesting. It's a protected right and that's it. But yep. people didn't realise yeah. That the police were pushing for something. And, and, and I don't know how I would have reacted in look, that situation. Yeah. And I also agree with people. That there was also discussions like, um, you know, that's an illegal order that you've been given. You know that you know that yeah. you can't. It, we, we also have to understand that, again, it's like um, accepting that people felt like they had to take the injection to, to, to have their job, even yeah. though. I'm saying that's bullshit. I've also got to understand that everyone has a different set of circumstances in their life. You know, they everyone. Well, there are police officers that are working only because they've got a mortgage. 
we've got we've got to this is the, the possibility that this is the thing that yeah. there are people there are we we have to consider that there are police officers who would quit today if they could. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I mean, also we also have to have the uh, the respect for each other to know to understand that we all have free will. These are all fundamental understandings that need to be held close to our hearts yeah. if we want to make any kind of a change in our society. All those things need to be taken into practice. Yeah. consideration but but put into practice so what um so we've established that you've got the right to say to the police officer i'm here taking my um what's what are you doing what are you doing there she's 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 fidgeting. She's fidgeting. Okay, is that what it is? I thought you were telling me to wrap it up. Well, but, well, but we do it, need to wrap it up. We do need to wrap it up. We do need to wrap it up. Okay, I think we've said enough. But I just want to finally just establish that um, what you need to do is you need to go and say to the police officer, "I respect your demand." No, you don't have to say. No, that. you just say, "I am not breaking the law." Yeah. Perfect. That's it. Just. I'm not breaking the law. Um, I mean, you, you, I would just stand still and not, not engage at all because I don't know how to do this. I know how what to do once they've arrested you. You just say nothing. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. You just you know comment everything. No comment. Yeah. Because you know until you've got a lawyer in the room. Yeah. When they're telling you that you've committed a crime, when you're just standing around doing nothing, what do you do? What is the, the appropriate response? I can only tell you what not to do. You don't swear, you don't yeah. scream, you don't shout, you don't kick. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Okay, Rosie. <laughs> with that, I will wrap it up. Thank you so much um, for being with me on the 8 News Show. <laughs> Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you. Look, everyone, I hope you found that interesting. I sure did. Um, again, I don't know whether I said it at the beginning. I know I did in one of my failed attempts to introduce the show, but um, to all my patrons out there, thank you so much for supporting me. All the people who have donated to me in the past, thank you. I, I, I couldn't have done all this without you. Um, I do have a, an online store that you can go and buy one of these T-shirts. I'm in the process of updating that. Um, got some exciting new products coming. Um, look, it's it's a small thing, but you know, everything begins with small beginnings. Is that is that how it goes, Rosie? I don't know. It's small steps. Small steps. Um, we do need to be able to finance ourselves to continue in the fight, um, the legal and lawful fight. Um, we do need to understand that um, the new media, the real media, the alternate media does need to be supported. Um, we're never going to make a change if we keep on turning on Channel 7, Channel 9 and all the other uh, lying bastards out there. ABC, isn't it funny that um, if you've been following the news, you'll know that the ABC is engaged in uh, contractors to um, advise them on why they're losing their audience. They're losing vast numbers of people. They're, everyone's turning off the ABC uh, what's the saying, uh, the common saying now, go woke and go broke, uh, you know, and, and it's our taxpayer dollars that are going towards that. So let's continue to make them go broke uh, to the point where the government 
finally stops giving them money, doesn't support them anymore. They have to stand on their own two feet. And the way that we do that is we hold them accountable by supporting alternate and independent media. Uh, so uh, you can find this podcast on Rumble. Uh, if you do want to listen to it as a podcast, you're probably already doing that, but spread the word. Um, Podbean is where you need to go for me. I'm on all the different apps, but Pod, Podbean is the hosting app. And if you're on Podbean, you can support me as a patron. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, and so with that, I'd like to say thank you for joining me on today's episode and goodbye. Goodbye.